You are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things in the wide world of sports. Here's your KLSU sports team. Welcome into the Hodges Huddle. I'm your host, Andre Champagne, and today I'm joined by my great friends and co-workers, Andon Brabham and Jaden Smith. How are you guys doing? And we are finally back. How are we feeling? Yeah, I'm fired up, man. I've been waiting for weeks to get back here on my yeah. favorite podcast in the whole yeah. wide world, the Hodges Huddle. That's what fired I'm up, about. man. I'm fired up to be back. We got some great stuff to talk about. Yeah, same, man. I mean, I feel like so much has happened since... What was it, December the last time we were here? Yeah, podcast? man. So, yeah, man. A lot. Yeah. A lot happened, yeah. Um, but, you know, like we said, we got a lot to talk about, so let's get right into it. Um, first off, we're going to talk a little about uh, LSU women's basketball team as they just defeated Arkansas this past Sunday by 30 points and what was one of more their complete games. Um, they go on to face number one South Carolina this week in Baton Rouge. Yeah. So at the time that this comes out, it'll be done, but we're going to give a little bit of a um, just kind of breakdown of what it means for the season going forward. So first off, South Carolina, number one team in the country led by center Camilla Cardoso. Uh, do you think LSU has a chance to win this game despite not having you know a huge depth on the bench? Absolutely. You're the, you're still the defending champs, whether they're the number one ranked team or not. And you approach every game, no matter who you're playing, with that same mindset that we're the ones with everything to prove and we're the ones that, you know, everybody's coming for, you know, yeah. our spot or whatnot. So absolutely. And then even outside of that, I think they're talented enough to do it. Mm-hmm. The only thing with that is I think they'd have to play just the way they did Sunday. They'd have to come out. Guns blazing, firing on all cylinders, right. and they'd have to be hitting shots. And when they do get to the line, they do need to be hitting those free throws because you're not going to be good teams missing free throws. Right. We Especially lost good Ar- teams. We, yeah, we lost yeah. to Auburn because we couldn't hit free throws. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah it, it's all about how you start for this women's team. We've, saw, we've seen that all year. And I think people have been very highly critical of this team. But if you look at the numbers and the statistics and the wins and loss column, they're on a better start so far this year than last year's team was. They've Mm -hmm. only got two losses this season, and I feel like both of them were very preventable. Both of the things that that we talked about, hitting free throws, starting out hot, a lot of the things that this team has to do to be successful, they didn't do in those games. Um, If this team, like you said, can hit their free throws, start hot, you've got enough talent to beat anybody in the country. Yeah, I I think it's possible, right? I I think especially like Jaden and Anna said, with that talent that LSU has in their starting five – they're going to be able to. Ha- they're going to have to be able to shut down points in the paint yeah. and limit those second chance points that South Carolina is really good at doing. Um, and LSU is not going to be able to start slow either. Kind of how they did against Virginia Tech um, earlier on this season, which they still pulled it off in that game. But let's be real, that was not Virginia Tech's best basketball at that point. And talking about that, the crowd is going to be huge for this oh, game. Oh, yeah. It's going to be ridiculous. It's going to be packed out. I'm, I can already predict right now, if I'm going to predict anything about this game, is that the PMAC is going to be loud, and it's going to be supporting this team, and Absolutely. they're going to be yeah. fully behind them 100%. Yeah, and, and so I think, like, just to kind of sum it up, I don't think LSU is going to be able to start slow, uh, as this is a team that's really going to make you pay for it if you turn the ball over and if you go on scoring droughts. But what does LSU have to do in order to play, you know, how they have in, in previous SEC wins in the past and kind of transition that into this game? I think the most important part <clears throat> that we're all, I don't want to say missing, but haven't talk, spoke on yet, mm-hmm. is I'm looking for how they come out and match intensity. 
yeah. this Thursday. I think that was the big key to them getting out to that 18 right. and nothing lead against Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas could barely get the ball past half court before, you know, they were already in their back pocket. So that's what I'm looking for. I think one of the biggest parts and the biggest keys to them winning this game is them being able to match not only intensity, but physicality. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's, I, I completely 100% agree with Jaden. This team is completely different when it feels like they have a chip on their shoulder, mm -hmm. when it feels like they've been knocked down, underdog. and it feels like they're the underdog. When this team takes that mentality into a game, they are so much more dangerous than they are outside of that. And I think they feel that way right now. I think they feel like South Carolina is, is disrespecting them, like the country is disrespecting them, like they're not being given the credit that they deserve for being yeah. the defending national champions. I think they're going to be very ready, and I think that intensity is going to be apparent from Tip. Yeah, and, and like you said, um, kind of like Jaden said, he said physicality, and, and I like how you said intensity too, and, and I think that comes with playing elite defense. Yeah. I think they did this against Virginia Tech, and, they're, and I use that game a lot because this is – the highest caliber team that they faced all season, um, and like I said, they were active in the in the paint and they had their hands up all at all times. They forced turnovers, and, and they're going to need to do that in this game because I just feel like this LSU team thrives off of opponents' errors and, and they go on yeah. runs just from great defense. That's just how this team is. They they don't even play fast; they just play really smart mm -hmm. when it comes to turnovers and just creating offense from stops. So. Um, you saw it, like I said, in almost every game this year. And good defense, like I will keep repeating, um, for this team, it leads to runs, and that's exactly what LSU is going to need. Yeah. So we talked a little bit on, on the Sunday show about the depth this team has on the bench, which may be a concern for them down the road. Why is it so important that LSU gets a few players to give them some quality minutes off the bench as the season approaches as well as the tournament? Yeah, I think it's, it's super important because you cannot run – players into the ground for 40 minutes yeah. of basketball we see that on both the men's side and the women's side if you've got a player that's playing 38 minutes a night every night for the oh, yeah. entire regular season that that fatigue it just accumulates mm -hmm. and it continues to build up and that's where injuries and stuff start to come into the picture this LSU team's got to find some depth from somewhere yeah. and they got to do it soon because we're barreling towards March and it doesn't get any easier especially exactly. not in the SEC yeah I like that yeah, I completely agree, and um, I go a step further. I mean, that's just the blueprint to team success is you got to have guys that come are coming off the bench but can still come in the game and be impactful mm -hmm. and not, you know, make it look like this team is missing a beat. Because right now, when the bench unit comes in, it's like night and day. You can tell, oh, the bench unit is in. Last yeah, year, that oh, was not sure. the case. Last right. year, we had girls coming in, excuse me, women coming in off the bench, yeah. and – they still look like the same type of team, the same yeah. caliber team. So mm -hmm. I think that's the key to them determining how far yeah. that they're going to get in March this year. And you make a good point because the the bench last year, that wasn't figured out until they pretty much started the tournament. So it's, I think it's still possible for LSU to find that depth on this team. Yeah. It's just a matter of fact as they're going to have to find who that is. right? You knew last year it was Samaya Smith off the bench, and you knew it, that it was last year Poa, and it was also Kateri Poole. Well, now this year you also don't have you don't have either, either of those. One of them, right. Yeah. So you're just gonna have to find that from the really the young talent that you recruited, right? This was the number one recruiting class in the nation. Uh and, and so you just really have to just put them out there. It, it sucks to suck, but yeah, at mean, some point 
you have it's to do it. It's the same principle we talked about during football season with yeah. the LSU defensive backs. And look how they did. You've got to rely on youngsters, and they're going to have growing pains. Yep. But you've got no other option, so yeah. you might as well do it now before yep. it's too late. Yeah. And Kim Mulkey's kind of done it, right? Uh, so who are some of those players that you would like to see step up in their role? The name I find is Janae Kent. I think that that is somebody who can come in and just give quality minutes, effort, hustle, and that's really all you need out of your bench unit. Yeah. We see it in basketball all the time. Like if the bench unit can just be tough, mm-hmm. just be tough, and let a starter or two hang back in there, Kim Mulkey is never going to put out a total platoon swap of five bench players. There's always going to be one of those five studs on the floor at all times that you Mm -hmm. can always look out for. So right now, you just need to be like a Jose Alvarado or a Larry Nance. you got to be tough, and you got to do your job in the the spots. I think Janae Kent is more than capable of going out and doing that. Yeah, I completely agree. Obviously, be tough, be physical, mm-hmm. play hard, and really just blend in. Just, just yeah. blend in. Yeah. Just, just fall in the mix somewhere. You, like, you do your job. Do your job. Yeah. Be Jasmine Carson. Be yes. Jasmine Carson. You're <laughs> do your be role open. and be really good at it. Exactly. Like I like that that y'all said that. I, I'm gonna go with Aaliyah Del Rosario. She's seen a lot more minutes in the past few games, and she's actually showed quite like quite improvement yeah. uh, over the years. Because I remember they would put her. In in blowouts, and she just could not run up and down the court. She, she's she, yeah, she's six 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 right, and, and that's ridiculous as, as a freshman to be you know that tall and you're running yeah. up and down the court. It's hard. Even Michaela Williams it's said very, she struggled at points with the fatigue, tough. especially with the style of basketball that Kim Mulkey likes. Exactly, to play, she loved very the, quick, yeah, very up post. and down the floor, very and very like you said, post oriented. Yep. And if there's one thing that Kim Mulkey knows how to do, it's Coach Biggs. Mm-hmm. She's put plenty of oh, bigs into yes. the WNBA, and they've all been really, really good. Yep. And if, if she can do that with Del Rosario, then Del Rosario is going to be a monster for a yep. lot of years. Yeah, I agree. So now we're going to kind of shift over things to the men's side, and we're going to talk about a little LSU men's basketball really briefly as they have made huge improvements since last year. The Tigers are currently 3-2 and two in the SEC at the time of recording. They have a game tomorrow uh, against Georgia, and, and they've already got more wins mm-hmm. In, in the SEC than they did last year, which was at two. And, and that's only in five games played. So that's really impressive. Um, but I want to ask you guys, what has impressed you most from Matt McMahon and what was such a brutal year last year? And then kind of looking at the current state of the program. Well, I, I've i covered a lot of this team. Yep. I, I've probably been, out of all of us, the most sort of in touch with this team and, and most involved in going to the press right. conferences and things like that even before the season started. Mm-hmm. And I told everybody who would listen that this team is not the team that it was last year. Yeah. They're more stable, they're very much improved, and they're going to beat some teams that a lot of people think they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Saw them do it against Texas A&M once. I know they just lost they uh, did against, Ole against Miss. them recently, but the first time around they did take care of them in College Station, just beating yep. Ole Miss. You were really in the game against Auburn for a while until about the last 10 minutes where it really got away from you. Yep. This team is very capable. And the one thing that I've always seen Matt McMahon preach, no matter what it is, win, lose, or draw, has been energy and effort. And I think that's two things that you can't fault this LSU team for this season and the losses. It's not because of a lack of energy, and it's not because of a lack of effort. And that's one thing I've really noticed that this team Mm -hmm. has improved on. Yeah, Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think more specifically for me, what I've been most impressed with is the stability within – 
just the entire team this year. Yeah. Last year when I would go to games, I didn't know who I was going to see in the starting line. <laughs> You're I right. Honestly, had no idea. But this team looks much more improved. Mm-hmm. The effort is there, and I do think some of that is just attributed to the fact that they're not losing games on a nightly basis. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, and, yeah, and you're right. And I'm really just I'm impressed to see just how Matt McMahon has got the guys to buy in for one, and also how he's recruited guys. I mean, you look at it. You brought Jalen Cook in, who could have gone in the NFL. I mean, the NBA draft uh, after last year. Jordan Wright, who had no business really coming back to Louisiana, yeah. could have also gone pro and or in, to any other SEC school that would have taken him. And then you have Will Baker. So, and, and you also have others. You have Damian Collins, who was a really big mm-hmm. um, transfer. But just getting them to buy into a program that was really at rock bottom, that's really what's impressive for me. These guys, like you said, buying in comes with playing with that effort every single game, and you're seeing that. And so I love the fight in this team. And, and they're not getting blown out, like you said. Uh, they might have gotten – Blown out against Syracuse and against another team, but that was a flute. That a lot a of those were flute. games getting away from them, yeah. where you you would give up an eight nothing run, and now you're down six. You were up two, you just gave up an eight nothing. You're down six. You take a couple bad shots, and we know how it goes in basketball, man. Once that snowball starts rolling, it's, it's really hard yeah. to stop, especially in college basketball. A note about Jordan Wright too. You talked about Jordan Wright really had no business coming back to Louisiana. I was at the Texas A&M game working at four for KLSU um, this past Saturday. And Buzz Williams actually did a press conference with the LSU media. And I asked him a question um, about what they did differently. And he talked a lot about Jordan Wright. He said in the first game that LSU played against Texas A&M, Jordan Wright played like the SEC player of the year. Mm -hmm. And he said Jordan Wright is still absolutely a first-team all-SEC guy. And that that is outstanding that after a two-win after a two-win season in the conference, yep. you brought a guy like that in. It's just incredible for Matt McMahon what he's doing, and I, I hope that they'll be able to continue to build on that. Yeah, I agree. Um, what would you guys, I would say, just like to see improve from this you know, LSU men's team as they are in the mid- midseason point now? Shot selection. Yeah. Shot selection. Like I just said, the game gets – the games get away from you yeah. because you go down six, and instead of working the clock, slowing it down, bringing it back down to your pace and taking a good shot, we have zero pass possessions where Jalen Cook will take the ball, mm-hmm. get a high ball screen, dribble, dribble, shoot. You'll see that from Derek Fountain. You'll see that Derek from, Fountain has from done a it. few guys. Even Jordan Wright has done it. Yep. They've all done yep. it. And those kinds of possessions are the one that, that – stretch out leads for the other team. Yep. And those are possessions that you can't have, especially in close games like you had against mm-hmm. Texas A&M. That's what really cost you on Saturday was the last five minutes. Yep. Your, your shot selection was awful. Yeah, you didn't really run offensive sets. And, and I don't even think that's on McMahon at that point. I think that's no. just if you think you have a shot and you take it. Yeah. But it's early in the shot clock. Exactly. That's my thing. You should I, you never be taking shots yeah. before 20 seconds of the shot. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And if you continue to do that, it's going to keep costing you games. Shot selection, shot shot selection, shot selection. What did you th- – I think for me it would have to be consistency within the offense. Yeah. I mean, if there's a six – a stretch between six possessions, they may actually run an offense, an offensive set, two out of those six possessions. Yeah, yeah that's and true. And the other four possessions, it's, here, you set me this ball screen, I'm going to see if I can get by my man. If mm-hmm. I can't, I'm going to pull it back out. 
I'm gonna pass to you. I'm gonna clear out. I'm gonna have you come up. You try to do the same thing, yeah. and it's repeating over and over and over again. And maybe somebody's gonna yeah. make a shot, but probably not. It, yeah, it reminds me of when I used to play 2K in the park exactly. sometimes, where exactly. we're just setting screens, and yeah. it's like, let's let's run a play yeah. at this point. I like that though. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say LSU's defense uh, to the three point shot. That's been an issue that has been lingering not only like last season, but it's it's also been this season. Um, I would like to see, like you guys said, LSU run a few more offensive sets with getting the ball to Jalen Reed and other guys in the post because I think they're actually a pretty decent team when it comes to second chance points. When you, uh, I mean, despite last game, obviously it was oh, not yeah. good last game, yeah. but they were twenty seven to zero on yeah. second chance points. Yeah, it was bad. It was <laughs> bad this weekend, but. Texas A and M. Texas A yeah. and M is the leader in, in rebounding in the, in, the country. in the country. So I can't give them that much. But twenty-two to zero, you like you said, there's room for improvement there. Um, let's let's move on now, to, though, to the LSU football side. They're in the off season right now, yeah. but cannot believe we're saying this on the podcast after complaining about it so many times. They finally did. They it. did it. They did it. They did it. <laughs> they fired Matt House um, and. They've made some really impressive hires on the defensive side of the ball as they added defense coordinator Blake Baker, defensive backs coach Corey Raymond, defensive line coach Bo Davis, edge rusher coach Robert Peoples, and finally Jake Olson as the safeties coach. That's that's stacked. Mm-hmm. But uh, first off, I want to get your opinion on the Blake Baker hire as he was great in bringing Missouri from a 109th defense to a 25th ranked defense just in one year and with the talent that Mizzou has. Yeah, he's he's definitely done a great job at Missouri. I, I think it's a great hire, but the big one that I really want to focus on is, is with all these guys, all of them have a connection to LSU. Mm-hmm. Baker, Raymond, Peoples, and Olsen all coached at LSU yep. before. Bo Davis went to LSU, played for LSU, yep. a, as did a lot of these coaches. On, on one the of staff, the best defensive lines in LSU. Which history. is so huge, man. It, it, me, me and my dad were talking about it. Him and I have been talking a lot about yep. this during the offseason with all the new hires. If you go to a kid's house with Bo Davis, Frank. Corey Raymond, and Frank Wilson, they're not going to say no to you. <laughs> yeah, they can't. They're not going to say no because you know what all those kids' dads remember? Yeah. Those three guys being awesome at LSU and yeah. coaching great defenses mm-hmm. and, and, and coaching great players. Yeah. They're not going to say no to you. For years, LSU coaches have talked about what? Securing the state of and, Louisiana. And the guy from Notre Dame is the first guy that's actually been able to do it so far. Yeah, and, and you make a good point because you say, you know, their dads would be impressed. But I think personally, I think it also comes with these guys are players' coaches at the end of yeah. the day. They yeah, know absolutely. how to relate to those kids. They know exactly, you know, what they want in a, in a college career. And I think that's really important. Um, but as far as Blake Baker goes – Love the hire. Uh, the yeah. guy's super aggressive when it comes to blitzing. Um, I think he's going to bring back that old defensive uh, LSU look where they just come at you and they hit you hard. Aggressive. Yeah. And, and so I also love how he relates to the players. This guy showed up for the first day. I, I said this on the Sunday show. Yeah. First day as the linebackers coach of LSU in cleats. He was yeah. doing the drills fights. with Damone Clark, Ma- uh, Micah Baskerville, and just all these guys, and it was it was awesome to see. So I- I'm interested to see if he still does that. I think he will. Yeah, I, I absolutely think he will. I just – I'm so glad 
that this has finally happened. Yeah. We have a group chat, us and our yeah. personal friends outside of this podcast. When we yeah. sent the news, what was the first thing I said? We're finally going to be LSU again. LSU again, yeah. The, the standard. We're finally yeah. going to be LSU again. But when I was a kid, which I can finally say that now, when I was a kid, LSU was about physicality, aggression, and I'm yeah. not going to let you be better than me. And that's what I think that this defensive staff is going to do for all these yeah. guys. What do you think? Yeah, we were talking about this on the Sunday show. And I, I said it's, I said it on the show, it's just like a breath of fresh air. It's almost mm-hmm. as if Brian Kelly did exactly what everybody wanted him to do. you know. And um, like we were saying, uh, when we talked to the people at the uh, retirement home, that you'd rather have a three-star that knows what it means to put on that purple and gold, mm-hmm. knows what it means to play for LSU – as opposed to having that five-star who's just using this as Clout. a stepping yeah. stone to get to the NFL. And I think that same thing applies to coaches. There's a lot of coaches who come into positions, and that position is merely a stepping stone for them to for get the NFL, to yeah. the NFL or wherever else that they're trying to go. But I think when you get guys who understand what LSU means, understand the standard, it just means more, man. It just means more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it really to, does. To use the cliche, it does. It now, does. I will say – Blake Baker's going to be a head coach in two years. Yeah. Without a yeah, shadow of a doubt. He's going to be up there. He's going to be a head coach. But, but at that now, point, the standard will be saved. The I standard will be sure. set, and you'll have a bunch of guys who are ready to be defensive yeah. coordinator. Yep. And, and, and let's talk about Corey Raymond. He, he obviously had the, some struggles at dime. Florida. He had some struggles at Florida. There's, there's, there's no debating that. Yeah. But do you think he can bring back LSU to being the standard at DBU? Absolutely. Corey Raymond did not want to go to Florida. He didn't. He didn't. LSU didn't pay him. All he wanted LSU to do was give him a little bit more money than he was already making. He wasn't even – I don't think he was even making $500,000 a year as the defensive back coach, which is incredibly low for a – I know you say $500,000. For a a coach of Corey Raymond's caliber and what he did and the guys he coached and his resume, he should have been making a whole lot more money than that. And that's all he wanted. He didn't want to leave LSU. He didn't want to leave Louisiana. He had to because he had to do what was best for him and his family. And I'll never hate Corey Raymond for for that. that. Yeah, I think if he comes back here, he's going to remind these guys, hey, I'm the dude who coached Morris Claiborne and Tyron Matthew and Patrick Peterson and Grant Delpit and Tredavious White. Everybody you can think of that's in the NFL who right plays now. defensive back from LSU, I coach yeah, those guys. Yeah, literally. I know how to get you there. All yep. you got to do is listen to listen. me. Yeah, what do you think, Jaden? <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I really can't say enough about it, man. Yeah. It's just a breath of fresh air. He's the like, best. Yeah. Now, now I feel like we have a complete coaching staff where we can just sit back and just say, Relax, you're finally. the professionals. Yeah. You know what you're doing because yeah. – Last season, that was not the case. No, at one point, you know, you were just praying for a stop. And yeah. and at that yeah. point, you were like, that's just simple enough. Like, that one stop right there, that's going to be that's gonna be good able to enough win for the game. game. Yeah. yeah, It's not going to be like that this year, right? Um, You're yeah. not going to score on every drive. But Some more big coaching staff news before we move on. Yeah, It is expected that LSU will promote both Joe Sloan, yeah. the quarterback's coach, and right. Cortez Hankton yeah. as the wide receiver's coach to co-offensive coordinator, it's interesting. with Sloan being yeah. the primary play caller. I'll pose the question this time. What do y'all think of the co-offensive coordinator title for both of them? I, I don't hate it because I feel like it's always been a co-coherent kind of like 
job. Not not necessarily like you know, it, it just goes to one person at the There's end of the day. There's a lot that goes into yeah. offense. Right. You look at it last year and, and I definitely think that Joe Sloan had a lot to do with that success. So did Cortez and he knew what his guys were capable at of at the end of the day, Mike Denbrock just really brought that experience, and he's still a, a great, great Absolute. offensive coordinator. Should have won the Broyles. Yeah, should have. But I think when you have three guys, three minds like that, that are just, I think that's more important than just one coordinator. Yeah, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be good. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I think you just like you said, you just got to trust the process. And I'm sure that's sort of what the effort was like last year as far as the play calling went. So I'm sure that has something to do with them making it a, a cohesive thing yeah. rather than them just giving the title to one sole person. Or just going out and making a hire. Yeah, exactly. Right? So, yeah. look, man, I just – you've got to trust the minds of these guys. You see what the offense did last year. You see the type of weapons that we're supposed to be bringing back with the offense this year. And you just got to watch it come to life, man. Yeah. And so, finally, what do you think, Andy? Yeah, I, I, I think it's great. Initially, I was a little bit weary of the idea of co-offensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer, especially in coaching, that too many cooks will ruin the soup. Yeah. A- and yeah. I, I think there is such a thing as too many cooks mm-hmm. when it comes to coaching, and especially play calling. Yeah. But I think if there's two guys that can do it, that can put those egos and those agendas aside, it's Joe Sloan and Cortez Hankton. Two guys that have worked their way up from from the absolute bottom of coaching. Yeah. There's been a post going around that Joe Sloan and B- Blake Baker worked together at Louisiana Tech yeah. years and years ago, nice. and now they're both at LSU in coordinator positions. And with it's a keeping chance to that, be, those guys in Louisiana. Absolutely, yeah. with a chance to be head coaches in a couple years. Yeah. A- and I, I think it's going to work. Obviously, there's going to be a step back because there's a lot of personnel change, and obviously – with a new person mm-hmm. at the head, they're going to want their own ideas heard, yeah. which is always going to happen. But like you said, there's a lot that goes into it. I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, I agree. But finally, let's talk about some NFL playoffs. Uh, Getting steamy, yeah, man. We're at the conference, conference championship week approaching now as the San Francisco 49ers will host the Detroit Lions of all teams. Wow. Wow. And, and the Baltimore Ravens will host the Kansas City Chiefs once again. Um, so, first off, let's talk, talk NFC Championship. What do the Lions have to keep doing for them to just somehow win these games? You know, just keep survive in advance. They're tougher than everybody else in the NFL. Yep. I've said it for weeks now. I'll continue to say it. They're the toughest team in the NFL, and that is solely down to their head coach. Yeah. It's Dan Campbell, dude. Like, that is not a roster where you look up and down it and go, oh, yeah, that's an NFC championship team. Yeah. Like no, you do yeah. with a team like the 49ers or the Ravens or the Chiefs. You look at this Lions roster, it's a lot of dudes who are on their second, third, hell, even fourth team, some of them. Yeah. And they're all playing their ass off for this one guy. Yeah, it reminds me like the Nuggets from last year, if that makes sense. They just yeah. had the right pieces around them. Mm-hmm. And, and they just like combined really well. It, it's so weird because you look, you look at Derek. I mean, uh, at Jared Goff, and it, this just doesn't scream like ooh Super Bowl. Ah, you know what though? Yeah. I'm sick of the Jared Goff disrespect. That dude has played his behind off this year, and he's played really well. And if Jared Goff, if you put a quarterback, even of the same ilk of Jared Goff, yeah, like literally put Derek. I don't think they're successful. I I don't think so. I don't. I think Jared Goff is the perfect guy for this team and for this organization, and I think he's been doing exactly what he needs to do to have them winning games. Yeah, I think uh, the Lions, 
I mean, always stick to your identity. Yeah. But I think the key is going to be, uh, from a more specific standpoint, making Brock Purdy uncomfortable. Yeah. And I do believe that they have all of the means to do that. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a team that was, you know, a weird Cowboys win away from maybe even being the one seed. You know, who knows? So mm-hmm. that's true. Look, they've, and it's honestly kind of good to see it come to life because we saw them on the cusp of becoming a good team last, last year. year. And barely missing the playoffs. Barely missing the yeah. playoffs. And I'm sure maybe a few people thought, yeah, they'd probably be a playoff team this year, just objectively speaking. But I don't think anybody really pictured the Detroit Lions playing in the NFC Championship right. game. A team that has not won an NFL playoff game before this year since, what, 1982, was 91. it? 91. 91. 1991. Yeah, I mean, every year we come into the season and we crown our offseason champion, the team that were like, we, we think you guys killed it. Now let's see you hey, go we, actually kill we it. We said the Lions. And a lot of those teams, we all did say the Lions, but a lot of those teams don't come true. Yeah. A lot of those teams underperform a lot. I remember a lot of those Charger teams where a lot of people gave them offseason champion title never came true. But this Lions team has lived up to every single bit of expectation that has been laid down on their feet, and it's because, they, like I said, they're just tougher than everybody else for yeah. 60 minutes. Yeah. For them to keep winning, though, I'm going to say, do like Jaden said, do what you do well. I think that's going to be continuing to just run the, the ball well with both running backs and get them also involved in the passing game like they did this past week. Yeah. Um, I think the defensive backs also, they're going to have to play their best game ever like yeah. of their entire careers. There's no, This is no joke. Playing. Yeah, and I think there's yeah. all the opportunity in the world to do that because I watched the San Francisco and Packers game, and their defense yeah. did not look great. They look right. very human. And right. they're very vulnerable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very vulnerable. And we're about to get to this question. Yeah. I, I, well, I'll, I'll let you go. So right. so do you believe that this Detroit team has a shot at the 49ers and, and the depth that they have? Absolutely, because this is a completely different 49ers team without Debo Samuel. And if he doesn't go, mm-hmm. now I think he will go, but he won't yeah. be at 100%. Oh, no. And I think that there is a and they hit him once. Chance. They hit him once hard. He's, he's done. Yeah. They said it's a really, really – it's very tender, yeah. is what the word on the street is what out is of that it? organization. It's a shoulder. It's oh, a it's shoulder, shoulder problem. Yeah. And he's also nursing a calf problem from a couple weeks ago yeah. that he's been struggling with. Mm. CMC is also banged up with a hamstring. Mm-hmm. If you take Debo out of this game, we saw it against the Packers, yep. they're a completely different outfit, man. They yep. are just completely different. Brock Purdy looked like he was begging to throw an interception against Green Bay, <laughs> and they just couldn't capitalize on it. Yeah. But yeah. he looked ready to turn the ball over and they just couldn't capitalize. If Detroit can capitalize like Green Bay couldn't, they'll be going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, Yeah. I like that. What do you think? You think they have a shot? Absolutely, man. Like I said, man, uh, this team looked very beatable. I mean, Nick Bosa and Chase Young looked like they weren't even on the field last Saturday. That's wild, too. I watched Christian Watson, a wide receiver, clear out Chase Young on a crackback block, and I was like, oh, my goodness, that was Chase Young? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you didn't see that? No. Clip? No, dude, it was a it was a crackback. They tossed the ball to the outside to Aaron Jones. He came and he lit Chase Young up and knocked him back about two or three yards. Wow. Well, dang. Yeah. I, the wide receiver. I'm gonna say I, I think it's possible, right? I think it's gonna come down to if Detroit's defense can force at least one turnover. I think that and, and that is so possible. You look at Brock Purdy and it's like a walking interception at some points. And and this is a guy that, you know, has just He's been inconsistent. Um, started the year off 
and people thought he was going to be the MVP, and now you look at him right now, and it's like, it's like yeah. I'm watching. Let me. Uh, I'm trying to find the right comparison. Mark Sanchez. Mark That's Sanchez. That's who he reminds me of. Yeah? Mark Sanchez. <laughs> okay. A guy with uh, okay arm talent, but just isn't like His decision making. Doesn't is like inspire you. Greek. I'll say this: you talk. You <laughs> talk about putting pressure on Brock Purdy. Aiden Hutchinson's got eight sacks in his last four yeah. games. That cat yep. is hot right now. He's a hometown kid doing it for his hometown yep. team. Yeah. His family's been at every mm-hmm. game so far. It's been awesome. He lives at home. Li- still lives with his parents, which is much cooler than Tommy DeVito doing it. Yep. Um, I think Aiden Hutchinson is red hot right now. The rest of that Lions defense, which has been kind of the question mark about Detroit a lot of yeah. this year, has been the defense. I think they're getting hot and they're rounding into shape at the right time. Yep. Yeah, I also think San Francisco is a much different team when they're playing from behind. You can just tell the difference in Brock Purdy's confidence yeah. and yeah. his decision-making when they're playing from behind. So if Detroit yeah. does happen to jump out to a 7-point or a 10-point lead, San Francisco could be in some trouble. Yeah, I, I agree. But let, let's say – give me your winners out of this one. Oh, I think I think San Francisco gets it done. Yeah. You know, and it it's more, it more so just has to do with the fact I just – honestly, I really cannot I think fathom seeing the Detroit Lions in a Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I cannot see that. Yeah, it would be definitely like imposter – um, I don't think so, man. You think the Detroit I'm Lions? Detroit. Wow. I just something tells me that they get pressure on Purdy and they capitalize on mistakes and they get ahead and stay ahead. Like you said about the 49ers offense, if they can't get ahead, they can't assert themselves like they want to. Yeah. They can't lean on that offensive line. They can't lean on Kyle Juszczyk and Christian McCaffrey. If yeah. you make them play from behind and you make Purdy have to take deep shots and down one the dimensional, field, yeah, Detroit will be able to pick them off. I've got the Detroit Lions for the first time ever going to the Super, Super Bowl for the Lombardi yeah. Trophy. That is wild. Uh, I'm with that being said, I'm going to just take the 49ers. I'm going to take it safe and I'm going to say they win by eight. Y'all are being safe, but if I come back on this podcast oh, yeah. next week. And I like come I said, up no, right? No, we just said, like I said, I this this is it. possible. This is all possible, but they have to. I think I've talked about this. They have to get really lucky, and they also have to play a really good. Game. I don't think it's luck. I don't think forcing a turnover is luck. Not no, against Brock I don't Curry. think so. Yeah, you're right, but I think a lot of things have to go right for them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. But let's let's move on to this. Uh, Chiefs uh, at Ravens. This is going to be one heck of a game. Generational matchup. Yeah, this is... They're going to do it again. This is what we dreamed of, boys. Um, this is not what we dreamed of. No, you're right. This I, is not what we dreamed I of. I dreamed let's, of Bills-Ravens. stop talking about that. Everybody wanted Bills-Ravens or Texans-Ravens or uh, Texans-Bills or something like that. Nobody wanted yeah, the yeah. Chiefs to even be there. Yeah, Nobody no. wanted to see Taylor Swift. Nobody wanted to see the family. We, we're over it. Well, And they're we back again, it. and they're... We got it. So many people say defenses win championships. So if that's the case, both of these teams can win. But from my perspective, I think the Ravens have just been another beast on on defense this entire season. So if that's the truth, do you think that they're well on their way to another Super Bowl? I think they can be. Sunday. I mean, yeah. I I don't know, man. Look, (laughs) it's football. I think this game is this game is really a toss up for me. Yeah. Like lines at three. Which is literally only because Baltimore's home. at home. Yeah, they give it. They spot you three points automatically for just being the home team. Yeah, neutral site. That's a pick 'em. 
Yeah, that's that's. True. I think they can do it. I think Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator, is well on his way to being a head coach. Um, I, and I think their defense is phenomenal. Roquan and all those guys. Yeah. I think they're absolutely great at what they do. And if they a get physical, assertive group, they can get after Patrick Mahomes and make these wide receivers make plays, which they've struggled with throughout the year. I think they'll be able to win this game. Especially if they get Marlon Humphrey back next week. Uh, I think that's going to be huge for them. Um, adding another veteran cornerback oh, for them. Um, so, with that, with that, do you think that Lamar Jackson is on his way to win his second MVP? And will the Chiefs – how will the Chiefs stop it? There? I think his – that MVP is sealed and done. It's got to yeah, be, Oh, right? it's got to be, right? Yeah, yeah right? Nobody else. Especially after last week. Yeah, that's not – Yeah, I that's mean, out of the question. But yeah. as far as will the Chiefs be able to stop him – I ain't seen nobody do it yet, and I don't see it happening this Sunday. Really? Now, I'm not saying that that means, you know, the Chiefs are going to lose or anything like yeah. that. But Lamar is just a whole different piece, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's so good. And what's been so interesting about Lamar Jackson this season is that when you think of Lamar Jackson playing well, if I told you to close your eyes and imagine Lamar Jackson playing well, it's a game where he probably runs for 150 yards. But just throws, maybe for, throws like 200. for about 200 yeah. and a couple touchdowns, but doesn't really have that explosive of a game throwing the ball. He's been the most effective pocket passer in the NFL this year. Mm-hmm. And he's still the best athlete at the quarterback Absolutely. position in the NFL, oh, yeah, which far. is what's made him so dangerous this year. Like Jaden said, I ain't seen nobody do it yet. Yeah. Here's <laughs> here's my thing, though. I think I. I Obviously, he's going to win his MVP, and I think if anybody can stop him, it's going to be that Chiefs defense. Chiefs have very, very good linebackers, and and they did a really, I would say, a really good job of stopping um, Josh Allen from exiting the pocket at times and getting him, uh, getting that pressure to him. So, if with the Ravens, I mean, uh, with with the Chiefs defense, though, I, I think. They have to get pressure with Chris Jones like consistently, which is a lot to ask. And not only is it the talent level, Steve Spagnolo is in his bag right yeah. now. There is nobody who is more in their bag as a defensive coordinator than Steve yeah. Spagnolo right now. He is on fire. And that defense has been the reason they're winning games yeah. for most of this season where yeah. they're only giving up 12, 15 points a, mm-hmm. a game. That's been outstanding. Spagnolo is proving once again to be the best defensive coordinator in football, in yeah. my opinion. And I think that, like you said, if there's anybody who is going to do it, it's, it's going to be, be Spags and that Chiefs defense. Yeah, so finally, last question. What do the Chiefs have to do offensively to be able to get things going against such an aggressive Ravens defense? And Can, they're just physical, man. Continue to run the ball effectively. Yeah. Pacheco and his emergence this year has been really huge for this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And their ability to run the ball inside the tackles is really what has allowed that offense to sort of, sort of start clicking like mm-hmm. we're used to seeing it. In these past couple weeks, they're not as explosive as they were when yeah. it was Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman, all those cats. But they are still a very good offense, and they still have one of the best offensive minds calling plays. Yep. And they are still very capable of doing it, but it starts not with Patrick Mahomes, but with Isaiah Pacheco. Yeah, I think that's going to be the ultimate difference maker. Mm-hmm. Will they be able to run the ball efficiently and effectively? Because I – yeah. I don't care how many games the Kansas City Chiefs win. I do not trust this receiving core. I mean, we've seen it throughout the season. <laughs> yeah, Rasheed Rice. Them throw away. Although Rasheed Rice has been very good. Very good. Yeah. But 
you know, outside of that, I mean, they've literally there's literally been two games where the receivers have literally cost lost some games. Yeah. And, and you know why last week we didn't see that? And that's it's because actually, no, Kadarius Tony didn't even there's, play. There's three games. <laughs> they lost week one to Detroit because Kadarius, Kadarius Tony couldn't catch a ball. Lost against they the lost Bills. They lost against the Bills because of that because Kadarius Tony wants couldn't to line, line up on sides. And they lose to um they lost the Eagles because the Marcus, Val- Marcus Valdez Scantling. I don't know. I guess he just didn't want the ball or something. I don't know. But yeah, man, we call I think, back where I'm from. We call that alligator arm. In alligator arm, grip boots, yeah. man. Like you gotta, you gotta catch the ball, man. So look, you get paid to catch the you ball. Get paid, you get paid to catch the ball. So if the Ravens are able to stop them from running the ball e- effectively, you know if they're able to stop some of those yep. six, seven, eight yard runs by Pacheco, I think they're well on their way to winning this game. Yeah, I agree. I think like you guys both said, I think it comes down to the run, run game for the. Um, for the Chiefs, sorry, you can't be one-dimensional against such an elite yeah. defense, and that's literally it. So, uh, who y'all have winning in this one? And I know it's hard to bet against the Chiefs right now. It's just they're hard. gonna do it again. Uh. They're gonna do it again. I hope y'all are ready, folks, because she ain't performing at halftime. She ain't singing the national anthem. She's gonna be in the press box supporting her man, Taylor Swift, and the Kansas City Chiefs. They're gonna do it again, man. They're gonna, they're gonna do it again. I've already resigned myself yeah. to the fact that they're gonna win. What you got, man? <laughs> my mo- my you know mind, you want to. Yeah, yeah, we know we do. <laughs> like I, I, I do. I too, really want to see Lamar do it, man. Me too. Yeah, but of course it, you it, do. You don't bet with your heart, though. It That's just feels like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are just about to break everybody's mm-hmm. hearts, and he's just about to be the most hated yeah. man. In, in, the in the history of the world. In the entire it, world. It, it, it just is. feels like one of those moments. Dude, yeah. they're turning into the New York Yankees. So you're going, you're going Chiefs. I'm going Chiefs, yeah. Uh, all right. I don't even, I don't even I'm know being different. I, I got the Ravens by four. I, I, I just think their defense is too elite. You to can sh- have at it, but I hope you're ready, though. I really hope I'm right. It's going to feel like a perfect night, to quote Taylor Swift, yeah. for uh, the Kansas yeah. City Chiefs. I'm sure it will be. But <laughs> that is going to do it for us here today. Big thanks to Jaden Smith and Andon Brabham for joining me today. I'm Andre Champagne, and this has been the Hodges Huddle.